All right, welcome back, everybody. This is uh, hour number two of Christian Worldview with uh, Dr. Tony Bean. Thank you for joining us. We'll try to raise it up to the next level here as we begin this hour. And we're going to begin the hour by talking to Mike. He wants to give some analysis of President Biden's speech last night, talk a little bit about what the motivation would be and what he's up to. So go ahead, Mike. Well, hello, and thank you for your show. Thank you, sir. Last night is a prime example. There's an age-old saying, tell a lie, tell it big, tell it often, and the masses will believe it. The reason conservatives, especially Christian conservatives, have been losing the war, the culture war, for so many decades is because we stay on the defensive. Uh, We turn the other cheek. We don't get loud. We don't get in their face. We don't overwhelm the lie with truth. So we need to turn that around, and we need to start telling the truth, tell it big, tell it often, and hopefully the masses will begin to believe it. It's an uphill battle for sure. Mike, thank you. I appreciate that. That's I um, appreciate you listening to the program and uh, appreciate your commentary. You're you're exactly right. Telling the truth, the 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 light is always capable of overcoming the darkness. And the reason darkness prevails is because of a lack of light, not because the darkness has any power over the light. And we need to remember that. Now, at the same time, you know the scripture tells us that. We are to be bold. We need to be bold in expressing our faith. We need to be firm in the stands that we take. But we also need to sprinkle our conversation and our responses with grace. And that's all That's all I was saying. And I don't think Mike was calling me on the carpet or anything. Please don't misunderstand me. Uh, Mike's comments stood alone, and they're, 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 I agree with every one of them. All I'm saying is that we need to be aware of what our adversary what tactics they're using, and we need to be to make sure that we don't inadvertently or vertently <laughs> I'm just going to make up words as we go along, stumble into giving them credence um, because of the way something looks to the public. Listen to me. It matters the way things look to the public. That's why President Biden has been able to get traction about this idea that Republicans, MAGA Republicans are extremists and they're dangerous and you don't want them making decisions for the country. I mean, all you have to do is show video of of uh, the riot that, at the Capitol um, in order to kind of back up this idea. And so, it, it, and, and should it? No. Uh, I'm not conceding that that's the right way for them to go, but I'm telling you, it is something that is gaining traction, and and if we don't if if we don't acknowledge that, then we're always going to be walking around wondering what hit us, just like we're doing after the midterms. We're I was convinced, you were convinced that we were going to have a midterm election that was going to be historic. We we're going to have a 40, 35, 40 seat majority, maybe a little less, but. A, a, a very large majority in the House, and we were going to win back the Senate, and we we're going to be perfectly situated with governor victories in all these states to roll into 2024 presidential election and just steamroll the Democrats. And that didn't happen. And when we began to ask ourselves why it didn't happen, 
then we need to acknowledge and be honest about some of the causes. And it, I, I don't like to admit this because it, it floors me that people believe this stuff coming from the president and from the media about MAGA Republicans and about Republicans in general. But they were able through, as Mike said, just saying this thing that's not true over and over and showing images that back it up or appear to, they were able to convince independent voters, people that don't necessarily follow the news all the time, that Republicans were not stable, that they were dangerous. At a time when we have a president of the United States who's demonstrated a lack of stability, mentally and physically. So, you, you know, again, if we're going to... If we're going to get in the political arena and we're going to play hardball, we've got to understand strategy. We have to understand our strengths, their weaknesses, and we need to have, I'm going to use this phrase, domain awareness. In other words, we have to be aware of what the battle is, how it's being fought, and how we can understand that in a way that makes it strategically possible for us to have gains. You Look, you can walk into the to a battlefield. Let, let, let's go back to the Civil War for a second here. And and Eugene, I'm coming to you. Let me let me work my head through this for a second. You know, um, you, the the, the tell war uh, war. Well, there were a lot of tells in the Civil War. There were a lot of battles that kind of turned the tide. But certainly Gettysburg was it, it, the high water mark of the Confederacy in terms of how far it was able to get into um, the North in, in, in terms of claiming territory. And it was also a pivotal battle in the war, and it happened just so happened at the same time that another pivotal battle was taking place, and that was for control of the Mississippi River in, in Vicksburg. So what, but, but what you had on the last day of the Battle of Gettysburg was Pickett's Charge. Now, it was bold, it was audacious, it was based on information that was incorrect um, or only partially correct. Gen uh, you know, Lee, the commanding general of the, of the Army of, of, the, of Northern Virginia, believed that the flanks had been strengthened and that the middle would be weak. Well, it turned out that that was partially true. The flanks had been strengthened on the day before, but the middle of the line was still had sufficient strength because of the layout of the ground, the terrain, to be able to push back 13, 14,000, um, you know, southern troops that would make a frontal assault. So, you know, you you had th this. Is, we're talking about strategy now, and you had. Um, you know, other generals around General Lee that were particularly General Longstreet, who would try, was, was trying to convince him to strategically move around the Yankee positions to gain the high ground by flanking, not by a frontal assault. But at that point, uh, it had been two days of fighting. General Lee didn't want to retreat in front of the enemy he didn't want to withdraw and he believed that you know it's it, I'm, I'm tired of this we're, we're just gonna 
we're, we're going to stop messing around here. We're going to give a strong push right up the middle, divide the Union forces, and we're going to go all the way to Washington. Well, it turned out that that strategy was not very good because they had to, there's a lot of reasons. They had the, the Army had to cross a mile of open field under Union artillery and then, um, you know, rifle fire. I mean, it just, there, it sounded valiant. It sounded good. Everybody was pumped. They were ready to go, but it was the wrong strategy. And it doesn't matter how committed you are. It doesn't matter how right you believe you are. If you've got the wrong strategy, there's a good chance you're going to lose. You understand what I'm saying? And, and politically, that's true. And I know we're sick of it. I'm sick of it. I don't, I don't want to pussyfoot around and, you know, go and, and boy, that's an old term. I don't, I don't want to do that and, and, you know, lightly step here and there. Let's just charge the guns. How about this? Let's be sure before we charge the guns that we got enough guns to win the charge. And if we don't, that's probably not a very good strategy. Okay? All right, Eugene, welcome to the program. Well, good year morning, Dr. Tony. I just thought I'd call her with an observation that might help lower your BP a couple of points. You see, I have figured out the perfect position for Joe Biden. Okay, what is that? Head of the head of the Space Force. Everybody knows for years he's been a space cadet. <laughs> That's pretty good, Eugene. I have to give you that one. Yeah, he could be. Uh, he he wouldn't have to travel very far to get to space from where he is. That's for sure. And he's All right, got. God he, yep, thanks. He's got a lot of space between his ears. I would say too. So anyway, inner space. We need we need the rim shot over here. If we could, it's too. It's probably too late now. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. I'll be here all week, ladies and gentlemen. Please, uh, please. That's a warning. Um, all right, I wanted to play one, uh, kind of a, a a really. It almost sounded like a laugh track moment last night at the State of the Union, Union address. Did you hear it? It was when President Biden suggested that we were going to have to have fossil fuels for a little bit longer. Uh, he agreed that we couldn't just do away with fossil fuels right away, that we were going to need them for at least another 10 years. I said, we're going to need oil for at least another decade, and that's going to exceed. And beyond that. Now, that kind of sounded like a sitcom, did it not? I mean, <laughs> that was obviously Republicans. It took them a beat. You know, it, that, that space in between when he said we're going to have to have oil and gas for at least another decade— was everybody looking at each other and going, did he really just say that? I mean, there's no way that in 10 years we're going to switch from being fossil fuel dependent over to alternative energy sources. That I think that's going to happen. I do. I don't think we're going to con – it's just like everything else. As we develop new technologies, we move on from the old technologies. So, yes, we're going to move forward and have renewable energy sources more available as we figure it out. But we're not going to figure it out in a decade. By 2033, we're not going to be off of fossil fuels. And that's what everybody was laughing at. I don't think that's even a close estimate. Uh, before we talk to Barbara, let me just uh, say something right quick. I, we didn't talk about this at all yesterday, so I'm trying to drop in every now and then the fact that uh, your that his radio talk 
is uh, going to be going away March 31st. And I'm, I'm not talking about uh, on hiatus or on a trip. I'm, I'm talking about we're going to we're going to close down shop on March 31st. That'll be the last radio broadcast of this program on that day. Uh, Gary Miller is retiring, and these two frequencies, 91.9 FM, 89.7 FM. Uh, will probably become some kind of music format. And I I don't know what that's going to be. When we find out, we'll tell you. But let me tell you this. um, The program uh, that you're listening to with me, well, let me put it this way. I'm not going away. Um, I've ordered equipment to uh, have in my house. I'm going to set up a podcasting studio that will allow me to stream live on YouTube as well as Facebook and also be able to allow me through the website for the radio show, uh, which I'm going to maintain. I'm going to be able to broadcast live, and I'm going to do that Monday through Friday, just like we're doing here, but it's going to be from 7.30 to 9.30, because if I'm going to rely more heavily on podcasting presence uh, as opposed to having a radio show for two hours every morning, then I've got to get the podcast down to a format that a lot of people will listen to. And it's just harder when you've got a two-hour window. Most people are not going to go much past 50 minutes. So I'm figuring I still want to have a morning presence because people have gotten accustomed to tuning in and listening to this program in the mornings. So you'll be able to stream it over the website. If you've got a computer, if you've got a smartphone, if you anything – you can, you'll be able to listen to the program. You can listen to it in your car. You can stream it through the radio, off of the website, off your smartphone. I mean, and we're going to be talking about that as we get into March. I'll be telling you more about how you can follow what I'm going to be doing. And I'm going to try to build a conservative website that will be a clearinghouse for people like Hannah Miller, It'll be for Corey Truax, for um, Austin Barker, people that have kind of joined me on this adventure from time to time. And uh, also we're going to bring in, you know, we're going to let some legislators post things there. Uh, faculty members at North Greenville, I'm going to encourage them to send me material. We're going to turn it into sort of a, a community conservative website about politics and culture. And uh, I may be changing the name of the show because I need a compelling title for the podcast that tells people what they're going to listen to. And it's got to mention politics and culture and truth. Some, You know, I've been thinking about just calling it uh, Truth, Politics, and Culture with Dr. Tony Beam. That's a little bit long, but, uh, you know, something. So I'm working on it. Okay. All right. Barbara's on the phone. Barbara, go ahead. Good morning, Tony. I'd like to tell off something that Mike was saying in his challenge to us to yes. um, make sure that the truth is getting out. Okay. And um, studying about Isaiah this week, he was called as a prophet, and God told him ahead of time that these people are hardening. You're not going to get through to them. And I think that's an illustration to us that regardless of whether people are willing to listen or not, we can't do what the church has done so often. They stop talking right. and just sort of, oh, well, they're not listening. No, we have to expect that from so many people. Right. And Pew tells us that 60 to 80 million people in this country claim to be evangelical. Right. But only 25% vote. Right there is a way that we can profess what we believe. And the seminaries are teaching pastors not to get involved in politics. So 
again, what Mike said, we have got to keep telling the truth whether people are listening or not. Right. Well, Barbara, thank you. Uh, again, thank you for listening to the show and uh, great comment this morning. Uh, the, the, the thing is, everything that you said is, is true, but in, in the same way that I kind of said uh, some things about what Mike said, it, it's, you're, it, you're correct that there's 65, 80 million plus evangelicals in America. The problem is when you break that number down to those, you, you, within that number, you have liberal or progressives who define themselves as evangelicals. They're in that number. And then you've got the people that claim that they're evangelical or they believe in God, but you have to realize that only about 4 in 10, and that number is shrinking, actually go to church on any kind of regular basis. So, we're, yes, we're, we still have a lot of people that can engage in this. But, you know, we need to be realistic about the, the cultural moment that we're living in, which is a moment where Christianity— that used to be dominant is now receding and look i it, it's never going to go away the church the gates of hell can't prevail against the church jesus himself told us that and so i'm, I'm not concerned about the church going away but it's going to be less influential in the culture as we go forward and that doesn't mean that we're not faithful. It doesn't mean that those of us who believe and understand are, are going to be quiet. No, we have got to, to be in the culture, being salt and light, being the truth, speaking the truth in love, and doing everything we can to convince people that, that right this is right and this is why. But we have to be compelling and winsome in doing that. Anger, vitriol, um, that's just not gonna. It 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 has never been a pathway, um, you, you know, to success. I mean, anger is a motivator. Okay, you you get. Let's say, let me give you this illustration. You're sitting on the couch, and you're just kind of feeling complacent about stuff. You know, life's pretty good. Um, you got some kids, some grandkids. You're uh, thinking about your 401k, and it's okay. And you know, you're, uh, life, life's pretty good. You just kind of went one of those moves. Maybe you got your dog up there with you on the couch, you know, um, and, and you're watching a football game, and then all of a sudden a commercial comes on, and it fires you up. I mean, you can't believe what you're seeing. You can't believe what this culture has come to. Now, shaking you out of your complacency, making you understand the cultural moment that we live in, all of that is good. But if that anger is what it should motivate you to get up off the couch, feed the dog, you know, be thankful for your 401k, put a little bit more money in there, um, call your grandkids, tell them you love them, call your kids and tell them, hey, um, I'm about to get out in the middle of this culture and try to make a difference. And then you, you go out and you begin to speak the truth, but you do it in a compelling, non-yielding, straightforward respectful way and you can win people you can convince people of your position if you do that now i'm going to tell you something i did yesterday and i'm not going to talk about personalities but you know i i could be criticized for this but i there's a there's some people at the state house that are definitely on the other side from me okay um 
and (laughs) they've spoken, I've spoken at the same hearings, and it's been polar opposite. Their value system, my values, everything. But I said to this person yesterday, I just took a leap, and I said, do you like football? And he said, man, I, I love football. And I said, okay, good deal. Let's you and I go to lunch sometime soon and talk about football. He, and he said, college or pro? I said, well, I'm more NFL than college, but I really like college. He said, okay, well, I'm more college than NFL, but I really like both of them. And, and, and so he said, yeah, yeah, let's, absolutely, let's do that. Now, why would I do that? Why would you? I mean, first of all, if I'm seen with this guy out having lunch somewhere, people are going to go, what's happened to Tony Beam? Is he selling out? What's he doing over there? He's talking to this guy. Oh, my gosh. He's probably lost all his values. Somebody hit him with a hammer. Do it. Okay. No. That's not. It's a matter of if we're going to talk and convince each other of positions, it has to begin with some point of commonality and some kind of relationship. As long as I'm standing over here and – He's standing over there with his group, and I'm with my group, and there's no connection. We're going to just stand on opposite sides and yell at each other. Can we find a we, – we may not find any common ground. I'm not an idiot. I, look, we're so far apart, but we can at least begin to build the foundation of some kind of relationship so that maybe as we fight for our perspectives – the fight is over the the perspective and not between the two the two people because it, it, that's progress getting it to where we're back to winning the issues with the truth and our ability to persuade and not based on our ability to out yell the competition okay joe tony yes joe can you hear me i hear you fine okay Hey, I was calling in to uh, tell Gary that we're going to miss him and all that, you know. And yeah. we got to talking. And, uh, I mean, you and you just going on about, you know, finding a common ground with people. And basically the most important thing is truth. You know, being able to communicate the truth yes. properly. Yes. And uh, we we were talking about, you know, the, the new show, the name, the name of the new show. And... Um, or not the new show, but, you know, the new name. Right. Uh, politics, culture, and truth. And, you know, you were saying, oh, it feels a little long-winded and whatnot. So what I thought, you know, when you said that was a great name for the show would be Today's Truth with Dr. Tony Beam. And, you know, today's, you know, that kind of covers everything that presently is going on, you know, politics, the culture, society, everything that, you know, you, Hannah, you know, Corey, and all those uh, all those guys like to talk about, you know. So, I don't know. It just seems concise. Gary liked it. thought we'd just bounce it off you. Today's Truth with Dr. Tony B. Joe, thank you, man. I just wrote it down like over that. here. I like that. I do. And I'm going to put that in the hopper. As I, and that, what that does, even if that's not the – I end up with that as the title, it kind of spurs me – kind of in that direction. Um, And so I really appreciate that very much. Thanks for listening to the show. We have a new phrase that has migrated from the military into our consciousness, and it's domain awareness gap. Now, you know, that has come up 
with the suggestion that you had Chinese balloons floating over the continental U.S. prior to the fact that everybody saw it, and it became a big media spectacle, and it was unavoidable that now everybody's going to know the Chinese have these surveillance balloons and they're using them. Um, it, 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 when the military comes out, they, they say, we have a domain awareness gap. It means that there's something missing in our ability to detect these things, obviously. But I was listening to Dr. Al Mohler early this morning, and it turns out that he's done a little bit of research, talked to some people in the military, and the military has five domains that they provide security over or five domains that they have to pay attention to in order for the United States to stay secure. That'd be a better way to put it. And those five domains are maritime. Now, that's not just sea because maritime suggests lakes, water, anywhere there's water, there's the potential of a threat, um, and, and we need to be that's a domain we need to be aware of and monitoring and know what's happening on the water. Second one is land. I mean, obviously, that's maritime would suggest the Navy, although there'd be some overlap. You've got Navy SEALs that, are, that do land, Marines, so forth. Uh, land, uh, that would be primarily the Army's purview, uh, making secure uh, all of the, the land areas that are in our domain. Air. That'd be the Air Force. You know, are we detecting things coming in and out? And this is where the awareness gap apparently exists, is that the Chinese have figured out a way uh, to float balloons at high altitudes that don't necessarily set off our warning devices or alert us to the fact that there's a threat. And so there's the domain awareness gap. It's, it's likely in the air. The other two domains that the military is concerned about is cyberspace, and then space. Um, cyberspace is, of course, all of the technology that gets used in computers and hacking and, um, you know, the, the, the cyber. We, we even have a cybersecurity, I think, major at North Greenville University now where people are learning how to protect digital data from people who are good at getting in and stealing it. And then, of course, space. You know, we just started the Space Force under President Trump, and people laughed about that. But space is a, is a certainly a domain that is being occupied more and more by our adversaries. And we've got to be there with sophisticated satellites, uh, the ability to protect ourselves from potential attacks in space, and we got to know what they're doing up there. Uh, ever since Sputnik, we've been concerned about our, our enemy getting an advantage over us in space. So those are the those are the five domains where we need to have full awareness, and the military talks about it, you know, um, as as being we we want our awareness to supersede or be greater in each one of those domains than our adversaries. And the Chinese right now have figured out a way to invade the air domain with us not being aware, and that's where the gap is. And that got me to thinking. I got to thinking, well, what about our personal domain awareness? And I, th I thought, if, if, we're, if we're thinking about areas that we personally need to be aware of and think about in our own life, what would they be and what would the priority level be? And I came up with five, my own five. The first is spiritual awareness. 
we need we there's a spiritual domain human beings are physical spiritual beings um we are not spiritual beings having a temporary physical existence we are physical beings having an eternal spiritual existence i mean we're going to live forever somewhere so we need to we need to be aware of the spiritual domain. What kind of relationship do we have with God? What's our relationship with his word? What is our relationship with the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Are we protecting the spiritual domain? Because the Bible tells us that Satan is a roaring lion. He prowls about, seeking whom he may devour. So, that you know, are we protecting the spiritual domain by the word of God, and the armor of the Lord that's spoken about in Ephesians. All right, what about number two, the family domain? How's our family domain? How are we protecting it? What kind of relationships do we have? What do we need to do to secure the family domain? Because believe me, Satan wants to come into the family domain, and he wants to destroy it because the family is the backbone of a successful culture that leads to uh, an atmosphere where the gospel can be uh, effectively shared, particularly in the home. So husbands, wives, part of your uh, family domain is making sure that your relationship is strong. Make sure your relationship with your children, your grandchildren, uh, the extended family, focus on this, okay? Um, third thing is our relationships outside of the family. Friends, neighbors, acquaintances, we have a relational domain, a place where we get to know other people. How are we doing in that? Are we making good relationships? Are our relationships built on trust? Are they built on honesty? Are they built on uh, the fact that we're willing to be real and genuine with other people, and we're cultivating those relationships because of what we're learning in them and the benefits that come with friendship. Then the fourth thing is our work domain. How are we doing there? What about our career? What about how we're serving and where God has called us? Uh, you could call this your vocation. That's what Martin Luther called it. He's the first one to apply that term to everyday workers, everyday everyday people, not just clergy. They, if we have a vocation, that suggests we have a calling from God. It's a domain. It's an area that we live and work and or live and move. And so how are we doing in that environment? Are we being good employees or if we're a boss? Are we being good bosses? A lot of questions go with that, biblically. And then finally, the cultural domain. What about the culture? Um, we, we have a domain in which we relate to society as a whole and culture as a whole. What are we doing about that? How are we influencing it? Is that domain something that we're paying attention to, or are we just allowing it to go by without much attention? I mean, a lot of attention got called to the cultural domain at the Grammy Awards because Satan was worshipped on the stage at the Grammy Awards. I mean, it was pretty incredible. Um, it, we went from the vulgar to idolatry, I, you know, and to not only idolatry, but the worship of the the the, the main evil spirit um, in in existence. I mean, it's just so. A lot of people didn't realize because they're not culturally aware of their domain when it comes their when it comes to the cultural domain that they did they didn't realize how far we've gone. Maybe that's a shocker. To people, and it gets their attention about what's going on in that domain. Um, 
What about, you know, the LGBTQ plus agenda in the domain of culture? It, it has a, a purpose. It wants to throw out any kind of sexual morality, any kind of sexual restraint, and it's a no-holds-barred, everybody do what they want to do, like to do whatever. Um, that's, we need to be aware that that's happening in that domain because the truth has to be applied in a particular way to that domain as well as it does to our family, our spiritual life, and so forth. So anyway, I just I thought that was interesting. I might try to write something about that uh, just because it, it got me going when I started thinking about, yeah, well, the military's got these domains, and then we've got our domains as well. Uh, maybe that could work in the title of the show or the podcast. Um, have uh, All right, I'm, I'm going to bug out a little bit early. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you we're going to replay um, an interview. I've got to get down to Columbia because today's the Baptist barbecue, and we're going to have to start early because of the schedule in the Senate and the House. So I'll be back live in the morning at 7 o'clock, and we're going to interview the Attorney General tomorrow. It'll be a great day. Hope you'll join us. <laughs>